Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. And today, I feel like our guests, I don't know if you even need that long of an introduction. I feel like most people should <laughs> probably follow her already, but I have Sarah McNamara. Uh, she's a senior manager of marketing operations at Slack, a Salesforce company. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about probably a t- like the top topic in marketing ops right now. And that's tips for marketing ops, job hiring and searching. So we want to tackle this from both scenarios. So like whether you're hiring for people in mops or you yourself are looking for a new job, there's some things that we really want to tackle because there's a lot that some people are doing well, but there's also a lot that people are doing wrong. And so we want to kind of chat through that. So welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so we always start w- with our guests just talk about a little bit of their mob's origin story because everyone has a little bit of a different path of how they got to where they are today in mops. So could you just walk us through, you know, how you got started and when you realized ops was for you? Yeah, definitely. I really started in the digital marketing world. In fact, it was funny because I loved marketing itself and it was specifically digital marketing. And I uh, was recruited to this little Salesforce agency and I was like, oh, I can learn like marketing cloud and Pardot and then I'll go back into digital marketing. Like this will just be, you know, for like a few years and then I'll go back to digital marketing. But I fell in love with the technology and the operations and like thinking more strategically about things. And I just never left. Um, Like I worked on the consulting side and I've loved that. I've worked in-house. I'm sure as many people know, there are like there are different challenges and yeah. benefits to both. But I really just love being close to the technology. And then also, like, I would say it takes a special uh, type of crazy to to love working in marketing. And I, and I say that as like, uh, I'm saying I also am that <laughs> special kind of crazy. But but I really love it. I love marketers. Um it's funny because I've I've had folks be like, you should go into sales ops. And I'm like, I love sales too, but marketers are my people. So both the yeah. tech and the people. That's cool. What um what do you think about like the systems and technology like appealed to you? Like did it just come easy to you? Did you see that there was opportunity because like no one else is really doing it? Like what what was what was something that like what was that like kind of clicking moment for you? That's a great question. I would say, well, it's funny because even when you mentioned, did the technology come easy to me? Because I remember I was one of those kids of like the 90s and early 2000s where my mom would be like, don't be on the computer too much. It's going to cause brain rot. And um, (laughs) and and same with my brother. And now he's a software engineer and I'm in marketing ops. (laughs) You know, there'll be no future on computers. You know, you got to go read a book. (laughs) So my poor mom never hears the end of it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I really was lucky that I got exposure to computers and really loved it at a young age. So it does come easily to me. Um, And then I, I think it's just, you can see the impact of your work in a way that I feel like is different from other departments. It's like every department contributes, but especially in what I, what I think of as like the new wave of marketing ops where we're really trying to be very strategic and Mm -hmm basically help marketing become its own little business unit and run like a business. 
I, I find that really exhilarating to be able, like we do a campaign and we can see the impact and then we can continue to improve. So it's like tickles something in my brain that gets me excited. Total. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's one of the benefits of being in marketing. Like you said, like it takes special people to be in marketing, but it's a lot, but you, it's almost like you're shipping like mini products out to the world, whether like in MOPS, you're doing that to your internal users or on the prospect customer side, like you're shipping something that they're engaging with and um, you, you let that go and then you get that like feedback that you can see. And so I think for for people who really like to be like an impact player, see their impact, it, it's a, it, it's appealing. I think also it's a very necessary job. So you know that you're making an impact because you just know how like necessary the role is, which is probably what we're going to talk about because I think for some people they know it's necessary, but they don't know how necessary or like what, how big of an impact marketing ops plays on, on the whole picture. And you know, what's fascinating is I feel like it used to be pretty much everyone from marketing ops came from a marketing background, but now I'm talking with folks, like I'm mentoring someone in a master's degree program and he is coming from more of like a finance analytics background, Mm. which to me is encouraging because it feels like we're, we're getting there. It's like we're opening the umbrella and more people are coming in to be more strategic and to kind of do what, what we talk about um, in terms of like actually really being able to see impact and prove impact. Totally. Yeah. You do, you do see that actually. I feel like finance is a good one to like tap into um, because I think some of those people were like, should I go the business route? Should I go the finance route? And then, but then they maybe don't want to be bogged, bogged into this world of like spreadsheets and formulas and stuff. They want to do something more. So ops is like a, a nice like path for them. So um yeah, it's just so interesting. Everyone's path. I've I've had a lot of recent guests that used to be like, you know, start out on the SDR side or SDR ops, and then move into more of an operational role. And so, definitely, everyone's path is not so linear. Um, and I think a lot of people are seeing opportunities out in this space because there's there's a lot of jobs out there to be had. <laughs> oh man, I, I have so much to say about that. It's crazy. All right. Well, I mean, might as well get to it. So we're going to talk a little bit about marketing ops job hiring and searching. So I I feel like the first thing we want to tackle is just hiring and talking about what employers are doing wrong when it comes to hiring. Because I think we could probably talk about what people are doing right when when we're going when we go into job searching. Because I think we'll we could talk about okay, what 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 are some of the things that you should look for when you're, you're looking for a job in MOPS? And a lot of that ties to what people are doing that from an employer standpoint that's working well, but I really want to dive into what they're doing wrong. And I think you and I have talked about this at length, which is uh, just one-to-one. Um, but I think, um, you know, it's good to map this out. Cause I think uh, whether you're an HR or you're a hiring manager on the MOPS team or you're a CMO and you're trying to hire for MOPS, I think there are some kind of big things that people are, are doing wrong. And so um, the first thing, I think from your perspective, what do you think is like the biggest mistake employers are making right now when hiring for MOPS? And it could be maybe not just one, but like a few, but what do you think are some of those um, big mistakes that come to mind? You know, it's interesting because 
like I feel like the the context here is important. I think marketing ops was it was growing definitely, but it was a little bit smaller or like the growth was a not at quite the same rate pre-COVID. But then mm-hmm. once everyone had to go online, it's it's become like a frenzy. And what that means is that we have a lot of hiring managers who don't like who aren't familiar with really the space at all. They're like, oh, I need marketing ops. And it's like, well, what is that? And it's like, um, Marketo, <laughs> you know, like you, you try to dig in with them. You're like, what are you looking for? And it's like, well, I'm looking for someone to send emails. And I'm like, well, okay, let's look at like the level of what you're trying to hire for and like what, mm-hmm. you know, really think it through. Um, and there aren't really a whole lot of great resources, like to their credit, there aren't tons of resources out there. Like there, there's some kind of older articles but in terms of just like more recent resources that go in depth about how to think about roles, how to think about structure, it's it's pretty thin. And then, so because of that, what I often see is folks will take a, like a blog post for, that's really aimed at like the enterprise level. Mm-hmm. You think about like a Google or an Amazon and they'll be like, there are five pillars. And so, you know, we're gonna have these five pillars within the team and, and, I, and I'll be like, well, you only have three people. (laughs) So so people are going to be kind of stretched across and then, you know, I I would be careful about like, so that's one thing I I like to call out is just, I think those guides are wonderful. And in terms of thinking about like long-term, how do I want to build out the team and and what's kind of step one. But what I see frequently is folks will take the template and just try to like kind of push people into different roles or try to kind of do more than is possible at the time based on their resourcing. So really think about things from, okay, what is step one? I mean, I'm not going to automatically have the five pillars. I can think about that in terms of like, what do I want to grow into? And mm-hmm. and that helps with that, like the planning. But if you only have a, a handful of people thinking about what are these people's skill sets and what are their strengths? And then what do they want to do career-wise? Like what are areas in which they want to grow that we can provide that opportunity because we don't have as many people? that they can kind of have more of like a, a breadth of experience while they work at this company. Um, and then it, it, job listings are like a whole other topic, I feel like, within themselves. Yeah. But but I, I call it the CVS receipt effect, where it's mm-hmm. like they list so many things. And I'm like, okay, I always tell people, list list everything that comes to mind. Like do kind of like a brain dump of like, here are the things that ideally like we need. And then if it looks like a CVS receipt, then, you know, go back to the drawing board and be like, is this two or three roles? Or is this, we hire someone and we get them really good agency support. Mm-hmm. But like, it can't just be one person. Like if it's a CVS receipt, it's just not going to work. That person's going to be unhappy and they're going to leave. Like, it's just, I tell people it's a, basically a fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just be like, you know, conscious of, you know, a, a list isn't as simple as someone logs in that day and they just go flying through a list of tasks. Usually, depending on, on what they are, there's a lot more to it. You know, like yeah. sending the email isn't just creating and sending the email. It's working with marketing to, on their creative pretty frequently, looking at the legal aspects of things, looking at segmentation, you know, there, to really think through all the steps that it would take. And, and that's something to talk with applicants about, too. You know, mm-hmm. because there there aren't a whole lot of resources, you know, definitely have that open dialogue about how do you feel about the job listing? You know, do you feel like this is something that would be possible or what, what kind of resourcing do you think you would need? 
and having that door open for people to be like, you know, like, I think I could really be excellent at these things, you know, these like five, 10 things, but then, you know, I would need support to do these other things. Totally. I think the, the, the big thing that you mentioned there is like just having more of an idea or a structured like role and then being realistic around, is this a one person job or is it two? And I'm thinking about like, what's, what's going to set this person up for success? Cause I think, um, having that CVS, you know, receipt of things to do is not going to set up that person for success. If you're thinking they're going to do it on their own. Um, and then also not taking into account, like how big is your team? You know, like how many people are they supporting? Like you can't just, if you have the plans to bring on this ops person, like also playing into like what responsibilities are they doing? But like how many teams are they interacting with? What's the size of that? And is that even realistic? Because I see that as a, as a big miss for companies. Um, They, you know, they're like, oh, we hired a marketing ops person. Check. Okay. Now let's go hire 20 other marketing people and assume that person's going to stay afloat. It's like, no, that's not the way it works. If, you know, it's like as much tech as you're adding, but as even as much people in marketing that are doing marketing that you're adding, you need the extra op support to really support them. Definitely. And it's funny too, because even the way that people think about that, I feel like is a bit skewed. Like they think, well, well, you know, I have these many marketers and so that I need, you know, like a certain amount of marketing ops people. But then I think they forget that marketing ops frequently collaborates with sales ops, mm-hmm. sales, customer yeah. ops, customer success. Uh, they might be helping with like board presentations. Like there are so many other groups that need a lot of attention too. So definitely think about that as well in terms of like, it's almost like a, a, a pie in terms of each day or each week or each month, like, you know, how much is each group going to need of that person's bandwidth and then being realistic about that. Mm-hmm. And being open to feedback. I think so, sometimes people kind of have wishful thinking. And then even when folks try to give them feedback, they're like, you know, they aren't super open to it. Mm-hmm. But I, what I find, especially in our industry, I don't, I don't really run into too many people who are nasty or negative. Like people generally are very like, I would say generous even. So mm-hmm. if they're yeah. giving feedback, they probably really care and they're trying to help you. They're not trying to <laughs> kind of like deflect anything or do anything funny. Um, so definitely, you know, have your ears open to feedback on, I think people are trying to help you. Like I, I've had friends who have gone through interview processes and who have, you know, just tried to give, they're like, hey, this isn't for me, but here's what I would tell you in terms of if you're trying to attract certain talent, you know, maybe tweak your job listing or be more realistic about the amount of people it will take. So I definitely would take the, that feedback to heart because people mean well. Totally. I think, yeah, that's that's interesting. I think um, Mark, and Mark and Aussie people, I think, are like even like, they're pretty, when we say stuff, I feel like we really mean it. It's not like we're, we're very like used to dealing with like stress and different personalities. And so the feedback is coming from a good place. Um, yeah, totally. Um, you mentioned the, the CVS like receipt and that's actually something that I thought of, um, when it comes to like 
red flags that you as an employer might not thinking about like the role or team properly, but like, do you think there there's any other red flags that come to mind? Like even the way that employers talk about the role or the way they go about like, uh, levels of experience or anything like that that come to mind that you think like oh that that seems like they're probably not doing this right oh man how much time do we got (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's interesting because I've had some peers where so there seems to be this practice now where companies who are hiring their first marketing ops hire and you really think more about like startups usually are kind of in this category Mm-hmm. they will open it as a marketing option manager position. Then they'll realize, oh, like the people that that attracts are too junior. So they'll make it mm-hmm. a senior marketing ops manager. And then it kind of continues to go up the ladder. Um, but I don't necessarily, like you don't see the job itself change. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> so either, either the leveling was way off from the beginning and you really were, li- you know, like if you look at the job description, it really was describing a higher level role. Or you do need to change, you know, the the different tasks or things associated with that role to match the the level of experience you're looking for. Because I think companies are like, well, I want someone who can come in and just do all the things, uh, you know, as, especially as the company scales, but then they don't think about the experience of that employee mm-hmm. and of that person and what is their career trajectory and like, what are they looking to to do? Because someone who's going to be attracted to a marketing office manager role is going to be totally different than someone who's going to be attracted to like a senior manager or director level role. Like they're going to want different partners to work with, you know, tends to be a little more strategic versus tool focused. So really, you know, think about that and then have an open dialogue with the people that you interview with, or even the, I always say to recruiters, even people you reach out to, they're like, no, I'm not interested, but here's why. I think what you'll find is a trend of people being like, well, like, you know, if I'm going to be a director, I don't really want to send emails right. or, you know, maybe I'll yeah. do that for like the first month while we or two while we figure out kind of what the team would look like. But it's like not something you want to be stuck with because mm-hmm. it's just not really at the right level. Some people might love that. I'm not, and I'm not saying it, like that's totally great. But I find I think typically you're going to see people are going to be like, well, wait a minute. Uh, that's not quite the level that I'm looking for. Uh, I would say another thing that I see frequently, um, what was it? There was something about, oh, where it reports into. So that, mm-hmm. that's another thing where, um, and this is going to be controversial and I apologize to all my RevOps friends. I love them, <laughs> but I just, I personally have never seen, I'll be curious to hear your take, but I have never seen RevOps work really well. I've heard of it. It's like a fable and it's like something <laughs> that I desperately wish will happen. But um, in my experience, especially when you're within marketing ops, you report into RevOps. Typically the VP of RevOps will be someone from the sales ops org or from mm-hmm. sales. And that is a recipe for disaster for us. Like it's something where I, I love the, the idea behind it, like centralizing ops. But with it, like for marketing ops, we already have struggled historically with being seen as more of like donut makers, like just send the email, just create the landing page. And I feel like we're trying to solve for that, but it's not quite panning out because 
then you just end up going at the whim of sales. And what I found is, and what I've even experienced myself is that marketing ops, so we're within RevOps, all of our priority is aligned with sales. Marketing ends up at the very end of the list, just based on how kind of how the company views marketing. And then the CMO is pissed off and then everyone's pissed off. <laughs> and that's just not a great working experience. And, I, and I've even have, have had situations where the CMO will then try to basically do like a hostile takeover of marketing ops to bring them back within marketing because they're yeah. like, I can't work like this. Like every single time I try to have some kind of new initiative, I get, I'm at the very bottom of the pecking order. And so nothing gets done. It keeps getting pushed out. It's like, oh, not a priority, not a priority. Totally. Or I, you, you and I both agree on this and I think we maybe do ruffle some people's feathers because they really want this idea of like RevOps to work. And, but I, I think it's less about RevOps. I think it, that is like, uh, you know, addressing a symptom and trying to create alignment where not like they think it's easy, but I think if you're going to do RevOps, what you have to do is just create a revenue team. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with creating reporting structures that make the most sense for people's role, but then still setting a culture where people are working like cross-functionally together and working, you know, updating together and meeting together. But I agree, like the, I get really weary on, you know, people have asked me before, like what you think of RevOps and I'm like, I'm probably not going to get you, give you the answer you like. Cause I, I, at this point. I think that it's a it's a good idea, but I don't think you need a reporting structure to do revenue operations. I think that it's more about alignment and really the alignment sits within the leadership first and they should create that alignment and then move its way down into departments. And that's where I think you'll see massive success because everyone is working together already. But the you're right, like it's you're gonna see this take hold over marketing ops from like the CMO because there's so many unique things like support, like support that they need and they can't be deprioritized and they, they want a partner to help them do reporting. They want a partner to help them create process to create campaigns. And, and that's all things that, yeah, some of the more traditional leaders of RevOps like just don't have exposure to. So I'm sure it can be done like potentially, but, um, I do think that it ends up being a dotted line to that person. And then that, that person kind of loses out because they lose the relationship with their manager because their manager doesn't really understand their day to day. But then they also feel like distant from the person and department that they're supporting. And they're really the people that can provide impact on how well they're doing, give them good feedback, do better review structure, create a path for them. Cause marketing ops folks could end up being strategic like VPs in marketing one day or even a CMO because they have that insight into all of marketing. So I 100% agree with you. And so, yes, 100% stamp of agreement there. Um, I would say the other thing in terms of reporting is I, depending on your level, obviously, but if you're like the lead for marketing ops, I think that's better to report into the CMO or someone very close, like maybe like another yeah. like level below. Uh, I do see roles where like you're reporting into like a senior manager of demand generation or even a VP. And it's like, depending on how the team is structured, 
that can be kind of tricky in terms of like career growth because you kind of hit a ceiling and then you're stuck and it's like either you have to leave or you're just stuck there indefinitely. So I definitely try to look at, and I, and I also, I read into that to be honest with you about how that organization thinks about marketing ops, because if they yeah. have all these other marketing leaders at the level right below CMO and they're all like a council together and then marketing ops, is kind of like this little group off to the side, then you're, I just feel like that's not the best situation to be in. You kind of want to be a, on an even playing field where you can collaborate and have like be in those conversations and not in a way where it's like, let's just invite our friend over in marketing ops. It's like, Oh, this is a part <laughs> of our team. Like this is another stakeholder. Totally. Yeah. So that's like another red flag, right? Like I think for those, like for employers who are like, Oh, our structure is like this. And then marketing <laughs> ops is down here, like two lines down, you know, probably not servicing that department the right way. Um, you mentioned the first thing that you mentioned around like the job description being just totally off, like directors, you know, doing emails and things like that. What do you think is, what do you think is the reason for that in some cases? Like, do you feel like there's reasoning behind some of that happening? Cause I know I have some opinions, but I wanted to hear what, what yours are. Not understanding marketing operations, not understanding kind of like what a career path would look like. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I also think, what, what's that old startup ideology that there's like that? It, I think it's less frequent or less common now, but it used to be in job descriptions can do less or can do more with less. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like it, yeah. that's still kind of like the vibe though. It's like, well, maybe we can get a director who can like lead the team and figure out the future strategy, but also they can do the campaign execution and also they can do the collaboration with other teams. And also it's, it's kind of wishful thinking. Um, mm -hmm. Or like, I'm looking for a Jack or Jill of all trades. There's something, if your top description starts with that, you should probably run. <laughs> I, I just try to warn people and, and I totally get it and respect it. A lot of people love to do like a combination of all those things and they thrive mm -hmm. on it. And that's great for, for people who don't feel that way though. I, I'm just always so wary of like, oh, you'll, you know, you'll be sending emails for just the first few months because I've had so many friends who they've just gotten stuck with it. And then yeah. even worse, what happens is like, they'll join a startup and be like, oh yeah, you know, you'll be the leader. And then it's like, say it's like the, the tool is Marketo. And so it's somewhat specialized in order to use mm -hmm. it. It's like, oh, you're really excellent at Marketo. Like, oh, you're a Marketo champ. Uh, yeah, we'll hire someone else who like isn't as good at the tools to be the leader and they'll work with the executives and then that person gets screwed over. There's a term for it. I can't remember, but it's like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're, yeah. you're going to put in the work and then you're going to get to be the leader of marketing ops. Oh, well, you're really good at that. And we're worried that so, we can't find someone else who can do yeah, it. Yeah, get pigeonholed. Yeah, and you get stuck. Like that's something that mm -hmm. I've been told time and time again from folks who are more senior who have been in the industry uh, for like for much longer is so like just don't don't be too attached to any specific tool and don't like associate too closely with it and just be careful about things and i'm sure in marketing ops a lot of people are familiar with this like oh we just need to do it this once to get this out the door and then you know it's just a workaround once this won't be ongoing and we all know that like typically that means it's going to be ongoing <laughs> so be, be careful on on what you agree to um, you know, make sure that they're, you make it really clear, like, you know, if you are going to accept a role like that, 
this is, you know, what is the hiring plan and can we hire an agency in the, you know, can you commit to, to that versus like, oh yeah, you know, soon. And it's like, well, when is soon? Yeah, totally. Um, and I, I think a big part of it too is like the, the company really struggles to hire. So then they're like, let's just keep making it more appealing. Let's make the title higher. Let's, let's make the pay higher. And then you hire this like really expensive, really, you know, well-to-do like resource who has this amazing experience. And then you're like, go do our CMO reporting, go send out the emails, go manage our data. That's a mess. Go work with sales ops and figure out our tech deck. Go, you know, it's like, and they're expected to do all these things. And they're like, that person, it feels happy coming in because they're like, wow, I was able to get this salary. I was able to you know, have all this, this title, this responsibility, but then the world comes crashing down. Cause it's like, yeah, we paid you a lot because we actually like wanted to hire two people, but we couldn't. So <laughs> you're going to be that one person, but don't worry, you're going to be paid really well. So, but then they're working, you know, nights and weekends and like, just really feel like they can't make a true impact and doing things that are just not like too junior for them. And and I think that's the sad reality of what we're facing right now. And companies like just expect it to work. And then they're like, yeah, 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 we'll get you resources. But, you know, that's as, as fast as they can hire for it. Or, um, you know, then they're well, like, and then it becomes your problem, right? Yeah. And it becomes their yeah, you're the, you're the leader. So you yeah. figure this out for us now. <laughs> Totally. So I I tell people like, yes, pay is like a really good thing. Yes, title is a really good thing. But also be realistic around, like you said, like, okay, if you're a director of marketing ops, like, you know, you want to get there. But what's going to be my real role? Like, what's my team look like? You have no team and you're a director. That's a red flag to me. Yes. And actually, that reminded me of another great point, which is pay attention to who is on the team. Um, because mm-hmm. I've even experienced myself where it's like I've joined a team and they're all really junior. And you, if you're trying to be someone who's more like a senior level and you're going to get pulled into stuff and you're just going to get, I call it stuck in triage, mm-hmm. where it's like if people can't stand on their own and there's no middle manager or no one to help them, like no mentorship other than yourself if you're trying to have like executive level conversations and then trying to rush to be like, Oh, we don't know how to do this thing. So you're just going to be tossed between the two. So think about it that way too. Definitely agree. Um, I don't understand. And I I find it laughable to be like a director with a team of zero. I'm like, what? (laughs) Here's a high paid person with a team of zero. (laughs) Um, And, and then if you do have a team, just pay attention. And I, and I say that with a lot of love. Like I, I think, um, there's a lot of value in hiring junior people and training them like tons totally. of value. And I try to encourage teams to do it, but, but just be realistic about what that's going to look like and what you're signing up for. And, and that would be a conversation to have with the hiring manager. You know, like if I'm stepping into this role, you know, here's where I see a challenge. What can we do? Can we bring in an agency to help mentor or, yeah. you know, like what, what kind of configuration can we put together to make that fair for both that for the person being hired, but then also for the team who needs the mentorship. Yeah, I think that you bring up a good point because I think for some for employers who are listening, it's like, okay, well, we're really feeling this pain 
would we do? And we've seen success, success with coming in and helping orgs who really have like that that director in-house who wants to make a difference, who can be the ears to the ground, who can like create those relationships. But they also have a team that they know that like needs support or, you know, there's always, always a lot to be done. Um, it's hard to get projects and heads down work done when you're, you're trying to navigate all these uh, people and relationships and firming up like your roadmap based on feedback you're getting. So we find that it's, it's a really good like mentorship opportunity working with an agency because you're learning a lot, but also even for that director, because it's like the agency can also mentor them. Like, how can you like, based on these conversations, this is what you should go to your cross-functional leaders with. And this is really what a roadmap should look like. And, you know, these are the conversations actually you're missing out on. Go be in them, you know, Um, and and really acting as like another external kind of mentor and champion for them. And that's something that we definitely do at CS2 is like do both of those. And we've seen, I was actually just thinking about this morning, like a lot of our clients over the years have gotten promoted and have these amazing like career paths that they've had and I'm like it's nice to just be a part of that and I always wonder like oh was a big part of that like this the agency support and they weren't drowning and they're able to be strategic alongside us you know maybe so and I put my money on that (laughs) yeah um so I, I I think that uh definitely look to uh agency support you know it's not always in the cards you may not have like the budget or anything like that, but it can be super helpful to your marketing ops team because there's also just so much that you like can do. Like you said, like that it's also, you know, the CVS receipt, but also there's that line item of like, these are all the tech we, we need you to support, blah, 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 you know? <laughs> I, my, my new thing recently is technology is like a car. If you don't have the pit crew, if you don't have someone to drive it, it's just another car. Like it's yeah. not going to get you very far and you can try to get someone in there who might not know how to drive it, but then you're going to like run into a tree or you're going to like run off the road. <laughs> so I always say to, to folks, I'm like, think about the strategy first. Think about what can I try to put to market to test, to even test the theory that like this, especially for new channels and things like that or new strategies, is this even a thing before I invest $100,000 or more and then I have to get a person to then, you know, run that tool or, and, and then, and then I always say it's like, goes back to the pie thing too. It's like each tool takes up a, a kind of a little slice of someone's time. Mm-hmm. So think about it that way too. Do I want to add another priority to this person's list, you know, versus these other priorities that they're working on? Do I want to throw in like five other random tools that someone wanted <laughs> without a strategy, without a way to measure impact? Yeah. Uh, so that's a, uh, I feel like a broken record with marketing leaders, but I'm like, guys, seriously, like I'm trying, I'm trying to help because what I see so frequently is um, like they'll just kind of let marketers buy tools and then they just have an unhappy marketing ops person because usually when I see that happen, marketing ops isn't included early. They just Mm kind of get thrown over the wall. And anyways, that could be a whole other topic, but, um, but yes, definitely agree with the idea of, look at the amount of tools that you have. And that's another thing to try to kind of either guesstimate or ask a marketing op, you know, like peer from another company, like how much time do you think this would take? 
and be realistic about that too, to even just maintain it, forget about, and you know, continuing to adopt new features and things like that. Totally. I think one thing that people need to be more forthcoming on as well in maybe in the job descriptions or maybe even thinking about doing for their marketing ops teams are like two things there, especially when you have small things. So teams. So one of them is around the day-to-day campaign operations. That's like a whole thing in itself that requires a lot of time, a lot of like day-to-day, a lot of urgent back and forth and so forth. So depending on what your structure is, do you have a decentralized structure? Do you have like marketing ops doing it all? That plays a role in how you would need to resource, but you can't expect that all to sit on someone who's meant to be doing all these other things. So I would say be forthcoming on that. Like if you have a decentralized model or if you have even just one person already managing that day to day, it doesn't have to be with this, this Per other, you know, the other marketing ops team person, like I do see them as different camps. We even do that at CS2 because I'm like, I can't have our directors like managing campaigns. We, we have a team that really focuses on that because it needs that unique focus. But that plays a big role into like giving that person the time back a hundred percent. And then the second thing is you might need to think looking at from a tool perspective, where is this where marketing ops is an owner versus a partner. And there might be cases, yes, like, oh, cringy, like, oh, we're going to have people outside of Mops owning a tool. Well, that might need to be the case because like this one person can't manage it all. And yes, they need to be partners with each other and there needs to be some governance, but being forthcoming of like, okay, but, you know, a demand gen team actually is going to be managing this tool and making that clear distinction because I'll often see like, okay, we got Sendoso, a direct mail tool. Amazing. Cool. Who owns it? Who's setting up those touches? Like who, who's actually creating the strategy? And honestly, you know what happens here, Sarah? And I bet you see this too. The demand gen team then is like, okay, go create us a strategy. How do we use this thing? Like when do we use it? And it's like, no, 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 no. That should have been determined before we bought this tool, which I know is a whole nother uh, topic in itself. But that's just like we we need to like put more onerous, I think, on the teams that are actually selecting these tools then to manage it. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is that brings up something I've been thinking about, too. Like I was talking with someone the other day about how hiring like the way that you hire marketers can also have an effect on your marketing ops team and kind of what kind of resourcing and like kind of like you were mentioning like who owns what and things like that what i've seen as a trend recently is i think marketers at this point are used to having a certain suite of technology and it's been interesting to watch because sometimes they will have it at their old job and they don't seem to have a conversation throughout the interview process about you know, I feel that this tool is critical to my success in this role. Let's say, let's say it's like mm. an ABM role. It's like they yeah. need six cents and they feel very strongly about that, but they don't have that conversation, at least not from what I tell throughout the interview process. And they join the company and I've had intro calls where it's like, hi, I'm Sarah. And they're like, oh, hi, Sarah. I have these five tools that I need to hit my things in the next quarter. Oh, yeah. We can get all these now. Right. And I'm like, hi, I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> who who are you like and um like who I, let you through the door <laughs> seriously and, and 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 that's totally cool like if 
if you have a strategy, like a proven strategy from another company that's similar, like I think there's some, there can be something to that. But please have those conversations with marketers through the interview process. And this is like kind of targeted toward marketing leaders and be like, here's what we have. And we can't buy something overnight. So you're going to have to kind of live with it for the, at least the first few months and kind of get something on the roadmap and make the case. Please don't come that's in and be upset plan. that we don't yeah. have the tools. And then, of course, I could go on another rant about I'm very wary about tools being critical to marketing success. I think in totally. some cases, maybe, like depending on the technology, because you can't have like a machine learning model on your own. Um, but like Sendoso, it's like you can send gifts without Sendoso. Sorry, Sendoso. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it can help, right? It can help with scale, but it's not going totally. to create the strategy. It's not going to... It's like if you have someone or you can hire an agency or do something manually to kind of prove out the idea, then let's scale and make the case yes. for the, the technology. But you can't, like you said, buy it and then make and then let's make the case for it. Yeah, we tell our, I mean, I tell our clients that and we, our rest of our team does. And I think they, they're sometimes shocked. They're like, wait, wouldn't you be so supportive of like technology? I'm like where it's necessary, where we can have support, where it's going to like really play an impact. But I'm like a less is more, you know, because it there's the more things you hook up, the more integration, the more things that people need to manage, the harder. And so it's really looking at, okay, our, what's our go-to-market strategy? What are the key pieces of that? What's really going to play a big difference? Um, you know, and you probably find that like, oh, we actually only really need these few things right now. And that'll play a big role. And and making the most out of like your tools that you have is under is an understatement. Cause sometimes I'm like, oh, you want this thing? Well, why don't we just, you know, baby step there? Let's just do this. Or to your point, like you can send out gifts or you can um, you know, do some attribution reporting, but without having these like Cadillac tools that you then need to maintain or even ABM platforms. There's a lot there that like you could just do within your tools yourself. It maybe just requires a little extra thinking, but there is probably less to maintain. And then also you don't feel like you have to scrap something because it didn't get its due diligence. So it's like didn't didn't become shelfware. And that always looks really poorly on the ops team, but really like the ops team wasn't involved at the beginning for that. So, um, yeah, I think that's such a that's such a good point of like on the other side with like marketers because I feel like from an interview process, and I want to actually talk about that a little bit um, uh, if we have right now, but like the interview process on the demand gen side or marketing side definitely should have probably the same or more due diligence than what the scrutinists like due diligence that people are doing on the mop side. Um, but yeah, one thing I've, I've seen you post about on, on LinkedIn and for anyone who doesn't follow Sarah McNamara on LinkedIn, you definitely should because she posts amazing content there. Um, so relatable for people in mops. And, um, but you've mentioned before companies like requiring comp like candidates to like do work. <laughs> as like part of their interview process and I'm I think there's certain ways to go about an interview process and can so can you say like for people that are are job searching what are maybe some red flags or things that they they really probably shouldn't be spending their time on I always say 
with projects specifically. And I'm going to highlight that first because that seems to be the new trend of this year and maybe a little bit of last year. I'm just, I'm just going to say it how I, <laughs> how, how I feel. Um, projects are going to attract or the, or the people who are going to do projects are going to be the most desperate people. And that could be like, I think some companies view it as like, oh, they really want this role or they really want this company. And that's great. But like, especially if you have someone who's working full time already, may or may not have kids, you know, have a life outside of work. And it's funny because a lot of companies will say, oh, this project will take two hours. And I have never, <laughs> so many people have DM'd me about it since I made that post being like, they always say two hours, it's like 20 hours. Like, but if you really oh want to do a gosh. good job as in like do a reflection of your own, you know, like work, like have a good reflection of your expertise, it's going to take a long time and not everyone has that time. Um, I find it, especially for more like entry level roles, I find it to be like the opposite of inclusive, I guess, exclusive because of people, again, if they aren't in a great economic place, it's like, they're not going to have the free time to be just like doing tons of free work. Um, so I think that's something to think about even more holistically, but I always find that it just sets the tone. If someone's already asking me for free work, then I'm like, this is probably not the place for me. It's one thing I, I'll, I leave the door open for if the project, if you can tell that it's really well thought through and you can tell what they're going for and they can explain to you, like I have a marketing ops peer or like someone from an agency who's going to review this, who's like really qualified to do it. And, you know, here's my level of effort that I'm putting in on my part to review it or to give feedback or like, you know, like that's a little bit different. But what we frequently see is do this project and the project is figuring out our marketing strategy or like figuring out an integration problem or a data problem. And then, you know, marketers will critique it. And again, so much love for marketers. I think they're brilliant, but it's just, it feels weird. It's like having someone who's not a software engineer do a technical interview for a software engineer. It's like, it just doesn't really feel like it's going to be a great experience for like probably either party. And it's not really going to get them what they, what they want if they really are trying to evaluate the talent. I, I always say, if, you, if you're unsure or you don't feel like you're qualified, you know, reach out to, to someone like yourself, like, or your agency. Like if you already work with a marketing ops agency, they probably have someone who's qualified to give a technical interview or to at least kind of suss out, have like a casual conversation. You can usually suss out through conversation if someone knows what they're talking about or not. Like I, I usually will talk situationally about things and it's like, as you kind of go deeper in the conversation, you can tell if someone's backing off cause they're not really sure or confident yeah. about something or if they can keep up with you and they're like, yeah. And like, they really kind of get it. And the nice thing about that is that number one, you're getting to know them better and it's a lot more personal versus like impersonal, like do this assignment and then send it over the wall to me. And then and you get you get to really know them and how they think versus something that's like a written assignment. And then also it's a, it's a mutual thing. So there's mutual respect over people's time and their and their effort and their expertise. So I always okay. try to encourage that. Um, and and I say if if you 
really are open to doing a project, ask them who else is in the mix at this point? Like, am I one of two candidates who are really strong? And this is the final step to try to really kind of suss out who's the best fit. Cause that's totally different from, you know, there are five candidates or, Oh, we use this to screen people out. It's like, no, I'm not spending hours to be screened out. No, thanks. You know, or even if no. you feel like you won't be, but you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't want to invest that time at the very beginning. Totally. Yeah, at CS2, like, one of the things that we find, have found useful is, uh, like, it it takes, like, 10 minutes, but we did our due diligence of, like, listing out, like, kind of, like, a self-assessment, and it literally is so easy to just, like, click, 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 and, like, then we have, like, three, like, or I think it's, like, two open-ended convers- uh, questions that can be answered in, like, two sentences, and, but they, the the thing that's helpful about the assessment is it helps make the interview like that detailed interview just more like more targeted of like okay let's focus on the areas where this person highlight is like being really good strengths for them and then weaknesses so then we can talk through okay well what's the reason for those weaknesses doesn't mean you're not going to get this job it just means like we go into it informed and have a conversation around it and I find it like makes the interview just more productive so we can move fast because I think one of the things too in this market and this is for employers but also for for candidates like I still hear from candidates oh things are moving so slow like I didn't hear from someone for like a week or two or like a week and a half and I'm like or I've been interviewing at this company for like five weeks and I'm like were you the reason why it was slow or was it them and they're like oh it's usually oh it's the employer like I didn't hear from them like in this market if you're complaining about hiring but that's your hiring process you probably need to rethink like how can we make this process quicker because someone's going to hire that person like that's quicker than them so but I think it makes everyone's time is precious so like that hour just like really fruitful because you're not just like so like where do you want to be in 10 years you know it's like more (laughs) you can maybe have some of those conversations with people as you're getting to know them but like not in when you're like down to it and you're like, okay, we want to hire you for this job. Like that's where you should be like more pinpoint. So I find that that assessment is really useful, but it, it takes like someone who really understands the role to create an assessment like that and the hiring manager to be really thoughtful. And so I almost even say if someone's sending you something that's kind of like that, it probably means you might have a really skilled boss that's hiring you if you if they're and so like also I would say a red flag, if you're in an interview process and people are asking you questions, you're like, they haven't even once asked me about like actual things I'm doing day to day, like probably doesn't mean that like you're going to have a manager that really truly understands you. Totally. And I always say like, it was funny. I feel like a few years ago while marketing ops was growing, it was still like you kind of had to try to find roles. Whereas now the tables have definitely turned where it's more of declining roles. It's like, no, this isn't it. No, this isn't it. So I always try to encourage hiring managers Like this is definitely, if not an even playing field, it's almost uneven towards the candidate. So what that doesn't mean though, because sometimes people jump to like, well, I'm going to paint the prettiest picture possible. And I'm like, that is just going to lead to churn. Like that person's going to leave because you're you're painting a fantasy that's not going to come to reality. And then then you're kind of also starting that relationship based on a lie, which is never a great situation um, for trust, which is really important in our roles. But you know, be realistic, but then, like you said, respect people's time, respect their expertise, you know, make it a priority. If you're hiring and you're saying urgent need, then why, you know, don't make the interview process take a month or two months or sometimes even three months, I've heard. 
it's like uh and and be transparent with people about you know if it's not a fit just just try to just be thoughtful about letting them know you know they might know someone who and, and let them know why try to give them some feedback and they might know someone who could be a better fit it's not always personal it's not it's not like oh you're not a great fit so therefore i hate you i think a lot of people would be like oh okay like i don't have experience in this one thing that's cool like you know i'll keep my eyes open for someone who does totally. um and and that actually brings me to another point which is so many hires are happening based on personal referral so it's interesting to see uh, a lot of job listings aren't even hitting the market. It's just based on network. Like people will reach out to someone that they know who then will know someone else. Um, so definitely be aware of that. And that goes on, on, on both sides. So that means totally. if, you, if you post a job posting, most likely someone knows who worked in that role before or knows you or knows. So just be, be aware of that. And like I said, with the whole like painting a fantasy picture, you, you can hire someone into that role. They'll be miserable. They'll leave. And then they'll tell everyone that they were miserable in that role <laughs> and why. And, and so it's like, don't then just try to rehire someone like, you know, learn from that lesson. It's probably a, like what I call a broken role. So please fix the role first. Like, does it need more resources? Yeah, yeah. And address it in the interview process. I think like be, like yeah like paint that it doesn't matter if it's not a pretty picture like let them know like what went wrong and and why you think that they will actually be maybe more successful or why things are or how things are changing but i feel like sometimes it can be like a personality clash or like something or a company clash or something but more frequently what i find is it's burnout Hmm. and so just be be aware that you can try to get a really great recruiter and throw tons of money and effort at trying to get someone else in that spot. But chances are you're just going to get someone else who's going to be miserable in that spot unless you fix the spot itself, like fix the role, whether mm-hmm. it's they're, they're not reporting up to the right structure, not enough resourcing, not enough focus on career growth. You know, like there are a lot of things you can look at and be like, how can I try to improve this role before just putting someone else in a broken role? Totally. Yeah. I I feel like it's even almost sometimes even a company issue at that point. Um, And so looking at, is this departmental? Is it just my team? Is it the whole company? Um, Because that'll, that'll tell a lot. Um, uh, I've been listening, (laughs) I've been listening to a, a Brene Brown podcast this week around like toxic culture and it's, yeah, there's so many impacts and a big impact of that is like, yeah, that person's going to leave. They're going to write a glass door review. They're going to talk to people like, but it's amazing how employers still don't prioritize their team and their employees as, as much as they should. And, um, Anywho, I know we're coming up against time. We're definitely, I think even over time, but I mean, I feel like I can talk about ages, but I think for the, if it's okay to answer one last question, I want to know, like from your perspective, Outside of compensation, which I think is just kind of out there right now, like there's different people, like you should get paid what you, what you should. And actually you, you've done your part. Actually, one great thing for the marketing ops community, you've led a survey on compensation. And I think that's acted as a awesome resource to marketing ops folks. And actually, I think we'll link that in the comments to this too. Um, Cause even the past ones have been like super useful, but Things are changing too rapidly compensation wise, but outside of compensation, 
What do you think are like the fine, like the last thing is like for someone who's looking for a job, what are the things you should weigh out as like a big part of your decision-making and maybe even from your, like what things like you've used in the past or you think about, um, when looking for a new role, like what are the things that you think play a big impact, um, into your decision-making? And this can be broad. Like you don't have to say the specifics again. Yeah, I would say it's funny that you bring up conversation just because it does remind me, it kind of goes back around to what you said about look at everything outside of compensation too, because a lot of companies will pay you like two people's salaries, but Mm -hmm. then expect you to do two jobs. Um, So definitely look like really hone into what is a day-to-day job going to look like. And I, I think that can give you answers on a lot of things. Like how involved is this manager? If they have no idea what someone was doing previously in this role, if they kind of struggle, it's like, okay, that tells me something about them as a manager. Um, Totally. I would say look at the teams that you're going to work with. If if they're only having you meet with marketers, I think it's a red flag because either that means they don't have a great relationship with sales and customer success. Um, I, I, usually that's it, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean it, it could be that everyone else is really time constrained, but usually I find it's like sales office wants to meet with you because they're, they also have a, a um, leg in the game on like they're going to be working closely with you so make sure you meet with sales ops and understand who those personalities are how they feel about marketing ops do they view it as a partner do they view it as an adversary um Mm -hmm. and and what they've experienced at the company because i also find you can glean a lot from that if sales ops is really unhappy red flag um Mm -hmm. if sales ops has been out like outsourced overseas red flag (laughs) you know like (laughs) So, so yeah. that can tell you a lot. Um, and how well you'll be able to do your job because there's, you know, there's so much of a partnership that needs to be there. And I, yes. And I really try to dig into the nitty gritty on like, how do you source software? How do you think about marketing ops? And I'll ask different kinds of personas within marketing. So it's like, you know, the person trying to hire you. Oh yes. We, you know, we love marketing ops. We value them. But then, you know, you go and talk with someone who's just like an everyday marketer and they're like, oh, well, they send the emails and it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, like someone might be painting a rosy picture like we mentioned. Um, So just getting a few different perspectives, even if it's the same question, just to see if there is a variation on how they answer based on their role. That'll give you an idea, But, but really try to get to like, what is this job? Because I feel like that really will protect you, or at least it's a a best attempt at protecting you from the things we've talked about, the CVS receipt of responsibilities, you know, being kind of screwed over politically, like, you know, not being empowered to be strategic. You can pick up on a lot of those things that way. Uh, I also say back channel whenever you can. Uh, And of course, some people are just, it's like, sometimes things just don't work out and someone didn't love a company because they didn't love the industry or like they wanted, they just wanted to change. But, but definitely find that out if you can. Um, and I'm always open, like when people reach out to me about jobs that I've had or companies I've worked for. So I try to, that's like a great network where you really can find out really what's happening versus the, the pretty picture that someone might be trying to paint as they recruit you. And I always say, just be really careful about, or be really cognizant of your experience throughout the interview process. Because I think that that sets the stage for the relationship 
if they're asking for tons of stuff, but they aren't offering a lot, they don't have, you know, they haven't done their research on what compensation should look like. They, they aren't really sure what the role is. Oh, we don't know if we're going to hire a team. Oh, we don't know what the future would be for this role. And, you know, like three years based on like current revenue, whatever, like, you know, that, that might give you a little bit of a hint that they aren't too invested in that. They just want you to come in and fix the problems. So if, if you're down for that, that's cool. But I find that those things can give you at least your best attempt at understanding what really is at play. Totally. And I think that to add on to yours, I think looking at like what is like, like you said, that might be an early indicator of like if there's even a career path there for you. Um, so I think definitely ask about career path and then also like resources because I think there's well, there's the internal resources, but also like, is my company interested in supporting me to get certifications if that's part of my focus, if I'm in a technical role or like, are they, you know, interested in giving me managerial um, support, like training and things like that? Because, you know, like if you're put into a manager role, you have these direct reports and you haven't even been trained, you don't even know how to best leverage them. So I think, for anyone in their career, those are, those are two big questions and something that, you know, we try and offer our team because it just makes this junior job just feel a bit more simpler. You feel more empowered to grow into it. So, um, yeah. I, but, and a few, a, a few more tips. I always yeah. try to say, um, especially for women, understand that especially in this job market, probably more than ever, you have so much value. So please ask for, I always say ask for more than you're comfortable with because it's a negotiation mm-hmm. and women tend to undershoot or like I call it self-negotiate, like they'll negotiate with themselves before they negotiate. Like, please ask for like what makes you uncomfortable and then let them come back to you and, and you give a sense like, here's what we're comfortable with and let's start from there, not from you and negotiating with yourself. Um, and that goes for everyone, but I tend to find that women tend to do that more frequently. Um, totally. And then for everyone, marketing ops, like, so like, I can't even begin to explain the level of desperation that companies have for marketing ops talent. So please find a company that will value you, that will give you a career path. You know, they don't always have all the answers, but at least you can usually tell if they like, if they're willing to talk about it and really think it through and partner with you on that, you know, make sure they give you resourcing this is the time, if there's any time, to ask for the things that will help make you successful. And you can always frame it on, this is what will help the company be successful. Like, this is not just about you. It's going to help you grow and stay with the company and contribute. So please ask for the things. Let them tell you no, but ask for them. Yeah, it's always better to to, to ask. Like, there's no hurt in asking, for sure. And on the negotiation side... Definitely. And I, I do see that women, like men, 100% I've seen negotiate more. Um, and yeah, like some employers can't stretch and they might not meet, be able to meet your number, but they're going to likely come back with like a compromise or something, uh, you know, that they can come to. Maybe it's a signing bonus instead. Like who knows? You know, there's a lot of things in this market that you can find if it's going to get you to a place where you want to be or if it meets like your goals. And so um, definitely be your own advocate. Like 
uh, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to accept this offer. It's more like, okay, this is like our starting ground and, and let's talk through it if it's not meeting exactly what you hope for. Um, but yeah, all of this has been amazing advice. I think we could probably go on another hour um, and we likely will need like a follow-up on probably the other things that we talked around around of like what is really hurting, you know, people in ops today and where we need to expand. But um, I just want to say thank you so much, Sarah, for, for joining us on today's podcast. Um, and for those of you who want to follow Sarah, we'll link out to uh, follow her on LinkedIn. Um, and also I think link some extra resources that we talked about. And if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with your colleagues and friends, maybe even the hiring manager at your company. Uh, I think it would be super useful. Tag all the CMOs, um, we'll you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think this should just be our PSA for CMOs and required listening before hiring and marketing ops or moving forward in the market. Um, and so... But yeah, thank you so much. It was really, really enjoyable and I think really useful for our listeners. So thanks so much for having me.